Welcome to the Purpose at Work podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Jacobson. This episode is brought to you by Guided. They help you stop employee burnout and turnover by providing great coaching for all employees so you can get out of the weeds and focus on building great culture. The best talent values learning and growth over everything else. They don't want to be managed. They want to be guided to realize their potential. So if you're ready to evolve talent development, make sure to check out getguided.co. Now let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Purpose at Work podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Jacobson, and today I have Dr. Eli Bendit-Tacher. With more than 15 years in both technical and educational leading positions in the high-tech industry, academic institutions, and governmental agencies, the award-winning Dr. Eli Bendit-Tacher brings his unique background to elevate learning and development to to the top of today's organizational priorities. Eli has a background in chemistry, teaching, and now he's the global head of learning at Outbrain, which has over 700 employees globally. And I'm really excited to have Eli on the show because he has a quite a non-traditional background for an L&D person. And I know he's got a lot of strong opinions on different areas of L&D, culture, employee development. So welcome to the show, Eli. Thank you for having me, Spencer. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So let's, let's dive in. So Eli, the place I'd love to start is just hearing your story of how, you know, you made it from, you started in the IDF, the Israeli defense forces, you have a PhD in physical chemistry. I know you've been a teacher, professor, and now you're working in L and D. I'd love to hear how that happened. Well, um, it all started back in Israel. I'm originally from Israel. And uh, back in Israel, um, every Israeli has to do the army for three years. Uh, for some Israelis, they offer for Excel students to do a program called academic reserve, where you go to school first, uh, you study something, and then you work in your profession at the uh, IDF. And then what I went to study was chemistry because I was really good at science. So I just said, okay, let's go in and study chemistry. And I found myself at um, IDF as a chemical engineer. And I really enjoyed what I was doing there. And I thought I would maybe have a military career there as an engineer. And I saw that most people who went really high there, ranking up there, they all have PhDs. So I said, okay, let's, let's have a PhD and, and, and get back to, to work there. And that's what I did. I, I flew to New York City, uh, did my PhD at NYU in physical chemistry. And I just, uh, you know, PhD is a lot of years, like five years. And a lot can happen in five years. And I learned a lot by myself of what I love doing. And I really fell in love with, with teaching and, and learning. And uh, yes, it was in chemical physics, but I really, really enjoyed the process of, of creating a course, uh, of transferring knowledge to those students, um, and, and how it can improve uh, the way I teach and the way they learn within the classroom. And that's why I decided to not go back to the IDF and, and continue as a professor at NYU. And then I had the opportunity uh, from the NYU network uh, to meet with somebody who's amazing from um, um, 
a company called Kaltua, which are doing a video platform. It's a startup. It was a startup. Now it's a little bigger than that. Uh, and, and she really wants to one of the co-founders, she really wants somebody with a unique background to look at what they're doing LMD wise and kind of bring their own fresh ideas and opinions. So she took a shot on me and I took a shot on her saying, oh, I'm leaving academia. I'm going to tech now. I'm going to teach people about video platforms that I have to learn it by myself first. So uh, it was really something that I haven't seen before. And that's what really drawn me uh, to work there because she really believed in me and my skills to do it. And I went to work there as the director of, of, of the platform that we develop, developed. It's called um, Kaltura University. And for me, it was really, really challenging to create the platform, to create the content, uh, to really uh, learn a lot about L&D that is not within my profession as, as a chemical engineer. And it was so exciting for me uh, to learn new things and to challenge me. And basically I use the same soft skills as a professor. You take knowledge and you transfer it to learning modules for a specific audience. And, and those soft skills, doesn't matter if you're a professor, if you're a tech world, these are the same soft skills. If you're good at it in the academia, you can be good at it in, in, in the tech world as well. So from there, I, I went on to work at Outbrain, where I am right now, uh, which it may be a similar role, but it's very, very different because the company is different, the industry is different, uh, my challenges are different. I was doing more internal at Outbrain, where I did a lot of external um, L&D for Cultura, uh, and, and, and that's where I am today. That's how I got to L&D. I definitely want to dig into the measurement conversation, but not yet. I, I would love to hear about how, what are some of the top ways that your experience in chemistry and that background interplays with how you approach L&D now? Well, you know, when I, I taught science, so it's, and I taught technology in a way. So for me, teaching a different type of technology or a different type of of um, of material, for me, it was kind of uh, same, but also different because in the chemical physics world, I was the knowledge master of it all. And now I had to learn new things and I had to have other knowledge experts and create their own courses. That is not, I'm not the knowledge expert anymore. And I think that was the challenge. So it's not just me learning it. It's also about learning how to extract the knowledge from that knowledge expert and create um, a course. Just think about it. Like there's somebody who's very famous, who's now wants to write a book. So there's a ghostwriter who listens to him and write the book for him because he doesn't know how to write. So it's pretty much, I'm, I'm a ghostwriter in a, in a way. And, and that's fun because as I'm ghostwriting myself, I'm also learning. Um, and I also um, analyze the knowledge and how do I deliver that knowledge in a way that people would actually learn from it? And what do they need to learn? What are the objectives of the learning? From all that knowledge, what do I want my audience to eventually take at the end of the day? So um, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like masterpiecing everything together. That's for me, it's a great challenge. Um, and, and it's a bigger challenge because I'm not a knowledge expert anymore. Uh, but once you have the knowledge, then it's basically the same kind of soft skills. And 
So let's, let's talk about measurement and ROI and impact because I have, a, I have some fairly strong opinions myself personally about watching a lot of the corporate training that goes on in organizations. Traditionally, the, the knowledge transfer or the, 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 the learning transfer to actual behavior outcomes is, is very low. And I know that you've thought a lot about this, not only in how you design a program for the behavior change to stick and the performance outcomes to shift, but then also to talk about measurement. Yeah, I think whenever I, I, I launch a new uh, learning program, I always think about the KPIs, the key performance indicator, um, and I really think about how it's measurable. So there are a few things. I think in every uh, today's L&D approach, it has to be blended. Blended, I mean, it can be something that's face-to-face, but also online, also one-on-one coaching. I think it has to include all these elements because you learn differently from, from each one. Um, some people love the online. It's 24-7 available. You learn online. But, you know, sometimes in a group, you can have uh, other voices heard. You can do role-playing. You can do some experiential uh, uh, learning as well, which is very, very crucial because you want to take that theory and whatever you learn to the practice, to the day-to-day. Yeah. I think that's what uh, is also very, very important because that's what sticks eventually. So you can learn the foundations on an online course, but then you take that knowledge and you apply it on role-playing and experiential and, and, and having a team, having a project uh, within that thing. And then also having a one-on-one coaching where you actually deal with your own personal issues and, and challenges. So once you have the whole pieces together, I think it, it really brings... Um, the program to the top, having these all components. So having, so having an online component, having a group component, having a one-on-one coaching component. Eli, I'd love to hear about what's the most successful learning program you've ever done. And if you could really break it down, because I think for the, for our listeners, they really want to know, okay, what does it actually look like? And how did you actually do it? And then what did you measure? I think that would be really valuable for okay. people. So a few things. So I'll, I'll go with management training. I think it's very, very challenging in today's world. Uh, first of all, you have different levels of management. You have the entry-level frontline managers. You have the mid-level managers, which, which are the trickiest. I think it's the trickiest um, level. And you have the VP executive ones. Um, so I created and worked. I did research and POCs uh, for so many uh, months to to really narrow it to to the right um, uh, to the right piece of, of of everything. So what I did is first of all identify who are going to be the you know the audience, the entry level. Even when I know the entry level, again, I want to know exactly who those people are within the organization. What are their roles? What are their challenges? I wanted to really customize it to um, who is the manager at Outbrain? What is important for the company in terms of the values and everything? So again, you can do difficult conversations. You can do uh, feedback, time management, all these stuff. It's, it's great and it's fun. And it's the same curriculum in, in every, almost in every management training. But how do I customize those the, the content to what's really relevant to a manager at Outbrain. So I think correlating it to the organization, also being using the 
the, the specific uh, use cases and, and, and correlate the values of the company within the program, it's also very, very important. And now another thing, people doing management training usually do like a boot camp. They bring all the managers to one place one week and, and, and that's it. And then till next year, see you next year. Bye-bye. Now, and it's all fun. They meet people, they network, uh, they go at, uh, drinking at night. And then after that week, everybody's hype. Yeah, I'm the best manager ever. Nobody can, can beat me. And then two weeks afterwards, they're all Nothing's back to the same and same routine. So what I said, you know, a program for me has to be an ongoing program. So it has to be at least three, four months. And in every month, I, I created a theme. So a theme, let's say, first of all, it's myself. Who am I as a leader? Then me and the team, how do I, you know, uh, manage with my own team? And then how me and my team are, are managing ourselves within the organization, with, you know, upwards. So um, every month and every theme had the components that I said. It had um, half day of like frontal uh, theory and also role playing and everything. Then we had every month they had the online component they had to complete. And every month they had one, one coaching by one of our coaches. And also like a one hour of webinar where people can ask questions and, and have like a, an open discussion about what they've been experiencing through, through the month. So they had the, the, right. the, the whole day of, 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 of things and uh, of those uh, frontal stuff and online. And then during that month, they actually experienced those things on their day-to-day and their project that they have every we we divide them to groups they had a project that is relevant to that theme and they had to bring it to their day-to-day um and and that was an ongoing thing and then eventually uh we had this kind of a summary uh so that went really amazing because it wasn't a one-time thing it was something was experimental ongoing a lot of components people had the group People had the individual, people had the online. So it was really, really like a true blended program that was running in a course of a time that could actually apply and think about what they've been learning and doing. What was the KPI that you chose and how did you measure it? One KPI is how many people are coming back? You know, after the first time, how many people are coming back? How many people actually finished all the online uh, uh, courses that I, that I assigned them to do? How many people did, did do their homework and, and came back to the webinar with, with what they've been working on and, and, and sharing it with others? So it's really about um, how many people are sticking to the program. Because first time everybody came and everybody was so hyped. And then, you know, I have a meeting there. I have a meeting now. I can't do it. I have other plans. This is more important. No, it's really about uh, having a plan that people are going to be so excited to go back to. So I think my, uh, my KPIs was like 70% will stay. Luckily for me, there were more than 80% who stayed. So I, was really I loved it and and I, we had a really great online um, uh, course uh, in, enrollment and, and and finishing the courses that I assigned to so it's really about that and also we had their surveys pre program during the program after everything we did we had a survey so we could actually keep tweaking and improving throughout the program not just at the end of the program oh well were the surveys for feed the surveys were feedback saying how did this go 
well, not as, as simple as that, but like, yeah, pretty much everything about the structure, about the, uh, who uh, delivered the program, about uh, all the components, what is good, what is not good. So because I really wanted to improve it as we go and, and feedback that I got from the first session helped me improve the second session and, 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 and so forward. So for me, it was really about learning myself what works and what doesn't work. And we always improved it. And I think we got to the point that we really know what, what to do next. And, and, and I think it has to be eventually customized. It has to be correlated to the company, to the values. Right. Um, and I think that's also the key thing for, for culture. If you want to build a great culture, it has to correlate with the values. It has to correlate with the discussion you have as a company. Um, and 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 L and D is is I don't think is, is is it's no different because we were able to create a learning culture within the company. Right. So one of the challenges that I hear from a lot of folks in L and D HR is they want to do more learning programs, but their executive team or their CEO might say, "Hey, Eli." show me numbers that aren't just about how many people completed it. I want to know how taking my employees every month out of, you know, working on selling things, working on building things, how am I really going to measure this ROI? So it's a funny thing that you said that. It's, it's really important because, you know, you have a lot of things you can measure. You can measure you know, retention, you can measure engagement survey, um, which are all great. Um, but, Something I did, and, and, and uh, it got to bite me back afterwards, um, is because you really need to get the manager's buy-in because you can have a great, great, great learning and development program and everything is great, but if the managers don't really uh, have the buy-in, they're not going to encourage their employees to, to learn anything. And some salespeople said, I'd rather my person to sell now and not to um, uh, go and sit and, and watch a video or, or, or a course for about a couple of hours. So the thing I did, it's a little bit unconventional, but it always works, always works. I went to the salesperson and I said, okay, give me two teams. This one, I'm going to uh, give that training. And the second team, I'm not going to give that training. It was something about a new feature that came out within the product. So one team got the training, the other one didn't got training. I followed their performance for a quarter. And there was a huge difference with their performance. And then he just came to me and said, why didn't you get the training to all of them? Because we could have had more money now. I said, well, I just wanted to prove a point. And since then, okay, whatever program you, <laughs> you bring us, we'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll let the people do it. But what I really um, uh, hear a lot now, because at Outbrain now, we have so many uh, learning development opportunities and, 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 and resources. Now what I'm really he hearing is that we don't have the time to do everything. Yep. So it's really about how do we cre create a learning culture in the company? I offered to close one hour to two hours every week in the calendars of your employees for every manager for them to really, just like a meeting, they're now in these one hour or two hours are just sitting and learning something uh, from all of our resources um, because some employees don't feel comfortable doing it during um, uh, work time uh, because maybe their boss will see them doing it and they feel uncomfortable. Um, so if the manager says, well, I'm closing a meeting for you and that meeting you're going to learn for a couple of hours, that's great. What I've really 
uh, for me, it's the really proved that I was successful is I saw people are engaging with my resources in the weekend, during the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. So if people are doing it off work, off hours, for me, it means that, uh, you know, these are great programs that people just are, are excited to learn and excited to, uh, you know, to, to get the knowledge that they need. Um, but, you know, that's just something that um, you have to slowly um, um, help the company understand the value of L&D. And if it comes from the manager, if it comes from the executive team, then um, it's like, oh, okay, we feel comfortable doing that. And now we see that the company is investing in our development because millennials today if they don't feel like the company is investing in their own development, they're just going to leave. It is, it is the number one value now for yeah. millennials is yeah. learning and growth opportunities. Yeah. And even, and even career changes. We are now also investing in internal mobility. If you're now in sales, you want to be a technical account manager, we need to help you acquire the skills needed for that uh, role if we want to keep you because you're a superstar. So how do you help your employees even move between departments because it will, it will cost us less money to keep that person and, and teach him those soft skills that he needs for the, for the role instead of just now hiring somebody from the outside and look for somebody? Well, depending, again, with the role, but we really encourage uh, geographical and uh, cross-departmental mobility within uh, our company, um, and we help them. Uh, through some certification programs that we have for specific roles. We have, for example, a certification role for account managers. So if you want an account manager, you need to do that certification program. Once you do it and you answer all the checklists that you need to do, okay, you can move if, if, if the, if the uh, role is open. At what point, that's really, that's really interesting. At what point did you, at what point do you think it's possible for an organization to build that kind of internal mobility? One of the reasons I ask is for a hundred person company that has one person, maybe an L and D or at what point do you think it starts to make sense to be able to build that kind of curriculum? And can you give me an example of what does the curriculum actually look like? So let's say I'm a, I'm a non-technical person and I'm an account executive I'm doing sales and I say, you know what, I, I'm really interested in being a technical account manager and maybe I, I have a skills gap, right? I have a skills gap. I have a knowledge gap, but that's where my passion lies. Can you tell me a bit about what that program looks like? I think listeners will also really want to know, hey, what, how does that actually work? So again, me, I was a chemical engineer. I came to work in L&D and I was the only person in L&D. I had no team at the beginning. I was a one-man show. Now, I had deliverables to, to deliver to my boss and, and, and I didn't know everything. So I had to learn things by myself. So I taught myself how to code uh, because I used an open source LMS because we didn't have any money. So I used a Moodle open source LMS and I just had to figure out how to build that platform for free. So I just taught myself. Then I needed to create videos, but I don't, I'm not a video editor, but I learned how to edit video on Camtasia. I just said, oh, what's the easiest program to edit videos? Oh, Camtasia. I went online. I learned how to edit videos on Camtasia. So today I'm, I'm, I'm. There's I'm not that much handholding. 
I'm open source developer. I'm editing videos, you know, so because that's, you know, when you don't have a huge team, when you don't have all the resources, it actually makes you uh, learn things by yourself. It makes you develop yourself. Um, obviously, I had the resources from the company who offered me to pay for, uh, you know, a development course or a video editing course. Yes, I think um, that's why I love what, what I'm doing. I'm always learning. And I think everybody in today's world, um, uh, every employee is an ongoing learner. It's not like my parents went to college, found a job that is relevant to what they studied, and they stayed there for 40, 50 years till they retired. No, people change careers. People change uh, companies every couple of, couple of years. They have to be an ongoing learner. Where did your, so you are so clearly passionate about learning. Where did that come from? Have you always been that way? I think it came from my dad because I remember um, him te teaching me as a kid a lot of things that were beyond the level I was supposed to learn at my age. And um, I remember him teaching me math and science in, in a level, maybe that's why I went to, to study that, but in a level that was not, it was way beyond me. And, and he always challenged me to learn more and not just wait for school and whatever school teaches me, that's what I'm going to know. He always helped me aspire to learn more and to also question what I'm learning. Whenever somebody tells you something, question it, explore. Don't just let people tell you exactly what what they think it, something is or not. So, what's a time? What's a time where you? What's a time where you were able to question what was going on? And I think when I was ten, I started questioning a lot of things. Um, and it's really about uh, doing all of uh, reflection and doing critical thinking. Um, and really about, you know, some things are facts and some things I wanted to think about and, and, and figure things myself. I mean, I absorbed knowledge, but I analyzed it afterwards. I didn't just take it for granted. I got the knowledge. And I think getting, acquiring the knowledge is very important. But then you have to really analyze what's important, what's not, and what's relevant. And what I can actually take to my day-to-day -day and what's, for me, is my truth. And, and that's what I'm trying to um, uh, do with when I'm creating a course. I'm trying to open people's minds. I'm trying not to give them everything on a silver plate. Uh, I'm trying to give them just the amount they need to think, to take it to the next level and to explore more by themselves. What's an example of what that looks like where you're giving people, you're, you're giving people some of it, but you're not you're not providing all the information right away. <sighs> That's, uh, you know, in science, it's a little more difficult because it's pretty much you, you show them the, the, the physical, chemical concepts and you just apply it to some uh, other bigger problems. Um, I think, and again, I'm going back to management training. I think what's really important in management training is not to tell someone how to be a manager. And, and that's really important. I think some people who teach management training, and I've witnessed that before, and the audience was really, was really, really angry with it, is that telling them exactly what time management, you need to do A, B, C, D, E. Or in this and this, you do use this method, it's this methodology. No, you can show them 
different methodologies. You can show them different aspects of how to approach a problem. Like when I even taught, let's say, even teaching uh, math, there's a lot of ways to, um, uh, to solve a math problem. So I don't just show it my way, the way that I think is the best way. I'm showing it in a few different ways. And then you can see every time I show a different way, you'll see some aha moments from different people because people can relate differently to different solutions or to different uh, methodologies. We are all different. We think differently. And you need to apply the learning today accordingly. You don't have to just teach things one way. You have to show them a spectrum of ways and what are they going to relate to because you cannot tell somebody how to be a manager or how to be this because there's also the personal individual uh, component that is very, very crucial. I don't want all my managers to be the same. I want them to bring uh, their own uh, personality, their own values, their own, you know, they shouldn't lose their individuality. Um, but I'm giving them the tools to make them the, their better selves. This is, this is something that is so important that you're talking about, where when we do, let's call it leadership training or management training, and the company says, this is what it's supposed to look like, it makes almost everybody feel like there's something wrong with them if they don't completely resonate with that way of doing it, or they feel like they're not there yet. And that's the opposite of the truth is that actually each person, if they can just tap into their own way that will work their own unique or more authentic way of having that conversation or leading that meeting or dealing with that conflict is going to be so much more effective. And I think this is one of the reasons that so much training and leadership development just doesn't work. It's because it says, hey, here's how it's supposed to be. And then people literally feel like there's something wrong with them. No, I totally agree. And, and I've seen it a lot. And that's why when I start thinking about management training at Outbrain, um, I had to some, at some point really stop and think about what I'm doing because I don't want to just throw theory on people. I mean, you know, it's, it's good to give them, you know, best practices and a few methodologies, but it's really about finding who they are as managers and what and how they can tweak themselves and bring themselves to the next level, not change them, not tell them, no, this is wrong. What are you doing? You should do this and that. No, I think that can, can make so much damage. Uh, and, and, and I think when, even what you're doing with the coaching uh, that you're doing, um, I think, you know, it's really about finding the answers within ourselves. You're just helping them uh, get that, get it out and really understand and really dig, dig deeper. So in this, in this conversation about helping people be them best selves, Eli, I'm curious for you, what are some of the top tools that you've used in your life to grow personally and professionally? I think it's really important to have a coach or a mentor. Um, I think it's really, really crucial because, um, you know, my career changed a lot. Like I'm the, the poster child for uh, career change. And um, every time I did that, I had to have a support system. I had to have somebody who I trust his judgment, who is objective, who can see things on the outside to really guide me. 
Um, and it doesn't even have to be somebody from, from, from my profession at all. It just has to be somebody that is, is wiser than me in, in certain ways, uh, in certain fields, but also that I can really trust and that I think that uh, uh, can see things in, 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 in a different light than, than what I see. Um, so, yeah, I think having a mentor or a coach is something that's so important. Um, uh, or a psychologist, if that's what you need. Um, which some coaches and mentors do act like psychologists in a way. Um, so, yeah, I would totally uh, have that. And also, really... Um, you know, we are so lucky to live in, a, in, in an era that we have so many resources, just like uh, searching word away, um, that you can really explore things that you're interested in, the things that you really want to learn, and you'll find it. You'll just find it. Um, it's so easy today. Um, and that's, I think, my next challenge is uh, to do customiz uh, customizable e-learning because like you have uh, personalized iTunes music and Spotify where they know what you're going to listen to. They create your own playlist. I want an AI e-learning that will know what I want to learn next and I have like a, a playlist of courses that I should take online um, or, 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 or podcasts or something like that that's really relevant yeah. and like discover things that I wasn't even thinking about. Um, on, on my day to day. So, um, that's what I really want to have. You can maybe in another time you can help guided build out our, our E, our E learning for yeah. our clients as well. <laughs> Sounds great. And, you know, obviously I, I, on the many levels, I, I agree so strongly in the coach or mentor conversation of, being able to, part of what you were talking about is being able to know yourself, getting that outside perspective of the reflection of, of being able to know yourself. And what, what is so amazing about today is there's so much information available. Anything that you want to learn is available at, at our fingertips. And it's actually interesting because so at so many companies over and over again, they're saying our employees are, they, they want, they complain because they want to learn more. They want more opportunities for learning and growth. And I actually challenge it because I'd say there are opportunities. There has never been more opportunity for that employee to learn anything that they want to learn. What I actually think is going on is people don't know what they want. Exactly. That's they, why you need that AI learning. So we, something will tell them what they need to learn. I think, again, I always also see it in our organization. Some people complain, oh, we don't have this, we don't have that. And sometimes you just bring it to them and it's like, and then they're just not doing it anyhow. So it's, it's really about, do you really know what you want to learn? Do you really know, know what you want to be challenged with? And, and some people don't and some people are afraid to. So... Uh, sometimes you need a coach or a mentor to really tell you what to do. <laughs> so speaking of that. So or guide you to understand what yeah. you really want to do. Yeah. Some people just, just tell me what to do. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And, and the best coaches aren't going to tell you, right? The best coaches no. are going to, the best coaches are going to cause you to look internally to figure it out yourself. With and the right questions. People are going to be so annoyed because I pay you so much money. Just tell me. 
<laughs> but they want, they want the easy way out. Yeah, exactly. But so, even then, it has to be a learning experience. Even from trying to know what you need to learn, it is a learning experience. So you have to embrace it. And that's one of the topics that I, I, I believe is the future of work and the future of learning is that it's not, it's less and less about what you know and more and more about how quickly can you learn? What are you able to learn? And that's from what I hear you talking about coaching and it's, it's actually developing the ability to learn rapidly. Um, so, so speaking of that, Eli, I'd love to hear the best career or leadership advice you've ever received. Yeah. So my career advice is uh, give up on your ego. I think um, ego is a burden in today's world. And if you just let go, there are going to be so many possibilities open for you. Um, I see so many people with their ego and they have to maintain that ego and it just drains their energy and, and, and their creative thinking. For me, when I moved from academia to what I'm doing today, I was like, wait, but wait, I'm, 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 a, I'm a physical chemistry professor. Why would I want to work? No, there was opportunity for me that paid way less than what I was earning before. But like, you know what? I'm going to give up on my ego and really go after what I'm passionate about and what is going to really develop me and what I'm going to really learn and, and not stay at a place that I wasn't seeing a future with. So it's, it's really about not thinking, oh, yeah, I'm worth more than this or I'm worth more than that. No, it's really about opening possibilities for you while not having any ego about it. How do you... How does one start to take some steps to separate ourselves from our ego? I think it's just about being humble. It's just being about really understand who you are internally, as as, as you said. Um, Because if we really go deeper, deeper inside to our roots, uh, to what really uh, makes us happy, what really makes us uh, thrive, what really, um, you know, makes us better people, better ourselves. Um, then when you really understand that, understand that, then you really, um, are looking for things that will make that, you know, sustainable. And, and that's where the ego just goes away because you're not thinking about, um, my brand or who I am on the outside is who I am on the inside. And I'm going to nurture that. Eli, as we, as we start to wrap up, um, is there anything that's come up that you, you know, parting words that you want to, that you want to share that you've thought about over the course of the interview? I think again, um, you have to be, authentic to yourself you have to be true to yourself and you don't need to be afraid of what you know and not know because knowledge is acquirable and if you really want to do something if you really are passionate about something just pursue it uh again i i was really afraid to leave academia which was very very comfortable pay money uh pay very well um it was a very safe environment summer's off every few years there's like a whole year off it's like 
it's like a, a greenhouse for me. It was like a bubble. And, 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 and going outside of that bubble and, and burst it, it, it was very, very scary. But if, in hindsight, that was the right thing for me to do. The scary that it was, for me, uh, I really enjoy what, I love, what I'm doing now. I'm so thrilled I, I did that career change. So don't be afraid as long as you are really, really listening to your true voice and your authentic self. Sounds like getting to know yourself, being willing to take risks, being willing to challenge others has been a theme in your career of being able to challenge how things traditionally work, being able to challenge the way learning is done in an organization, being willing to challenge people in their learning experience, and then being willing to take the mask off yourself and follow what's really true for you as opposed to needing to try to look a certain way. And a nice summary, Spencer. It was a nice one. Good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so Eli, what's the, what's, how can people uh, connect with you? Uh, you can uh, contact, contact me through either my Instagram account uh, at dr.elibt at dr.elibt or through uh, email, eli.taicagr at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eli. Thank you.